everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, I uh, fell asleep uh, with the kids tonight, so now I'm like that weird thing where you wake up and your whole day starts again, but it's at night. <laughs> Yeah, I figured when I when I didn't hear from you, I just assume most parents just fall asleep. Joseph, so, I apologize to you for leaving you hanging, buddy. No, dude, not at all. It's uh, you know, there's no no worry. Well, uh, and once again, we are coming out of the holidays. You know, like we spoke to people. A lot of podcasts took those whole holidays off. I decided just to fuck up my schedule with the podcast releases and just put them out at weird times. Was my solution, but uh, we've been doing them all the, the, over the whole holidays. So, did you have a good New Year's, Chris? Yeah, New Year's is always New Year's. I don't yep. know. Uh, I don't really. I've never enjoyed the holiday, if it's a holiday, whatever the occasion. Um, well, to paraphrase your favorite American poet of all time, New Year's <laughs> is just another night for me, right? <laughs> Who is that? I don't know what you're referencing. Your, your favorite, Russ Rankin. Russ oh. Rankin off the first Good Riddance record. Friday night is just another night for me. Yeah. Come on, Chris, your favorite poet. Come on, buddy. I do. Well, I do relate sadly to that, yes. But uh, no, I wasn't aware of that quote. But uh, yeah, it's more or less true. I don't really, I don't do anything fun. So I don't, uh, it's never meant anything to me. I just largely get annoyed, annoyed with the occasion. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, just I do go to the hospital. Yeah, I I saw something about that, so I hope everything's all right. Everything's okay now, but but Lauren had to uh, my 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 wife, my you know um, carrier of the weight that is my life uh, had to go to the hospital because she had an attack. But everything was great. Everything was fine. I'm not great, but everything was fine. And uh, yeah, so big thank you to Tristan, my brother, who. I ruined his and his uh, his wife Sarah's New Year's by having them come over and watch my kids while I went to the hospital. Wow! So that's how they spent their New Year's. <laughs> well, uh, I'm assuming it's because uh, your brother's a stand-up guy and he's there for you. So there you go. I guess so. That's what I'm finding out. You know, like you know, not only is he the guy that does our Facebook page here, I turned out a punk. Yes. He's also the guy that watches our kids when we need him to. <laughs> I turn that upon. Yes. So, <laughs> but no, seriously, thank you, Tristan. But I guess that brings us to the plugs. We nicely yes. segue into our plugs. So there you go. As uh, previously mentioned, we do have a Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash turned out a punk, you will see that page is run by Tristan Abraham, the aforementioned brother. And uh, you will see cool stuff posted up there that gets sent into the show. You can find out about, you know, weird changes to the schedule of the show which do happen from time to time. And, you know, just if you use Facebook, it's a great way to be kept abreast of the, about the show. Uh, also, if you want to find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. And uh, if you want to support this show or turn out a punk in general, please rate it and write a review on iTunes if you use iTunes. And otherwise, just tell all your friends about it. Tell them all that you love it. Let them all know. <laughs> um, and how do they get in touch with us here though Chris they reach us here at turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com alright so you can send those emails to us we haven't gotten to them in a while but we will be getting to them today after though we get to the news we got some news this week 
Yeah, there was a bunch of things. Uh, sort of the the usual mixed bag of good, tragic, bad, whatever. Um, I don't think I a lot of good this week, Chris. Yeah, not too much good, actually, the more I think about it. I, the, the last one is debatably good. That's why I'm... Thinking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so the, the, off the top, I don't know a great deal about this individual, but we want to make mention, of course, that uh, Doug Evans, bassist of the uh, founding member as well of the Digits, passed away recently. Um, it was reported as of the 29th of December, so I'm assuming this is probably about a week old now. But uh, we haven't really, I guess we haven't really recorded since this happened. But um, anyway, yeah, Digits, great band. And uh, of course, sad, there was... Uh, you know, various things put out there. Um, there's a link here on Smile Politely, which has a little uh, shout-out to it, and, of course, uh, Digits videos and things of that nature. But, yeah, were you a Digits fan at all there, Dame? Uh, yeah, I love the Digits. Um, he also later played in the uh, terribly named River City Rapists as well, um, who, you know, despite the poor choice of name, were an incredible band it's on t- Man's Ruin and Junk Records. Um, but... You know, like one, you know, Digits were a band that I think I was a little late to. I know I was a little late to. Um, but that being said, they were, you know, one of those bands that having discovered them after the fact are pretty unbelievable. Like, pretty, you know, not all the lyrics fly in 2016, but. Uh, <laughs> as as was a lot, as with a lot of other punk of that era. As with a lot of other punk of that era, it's very true. But uh, but you know what doesn't fly as far as the lyrics goes musically still flies. Yeah, I always dug this band. I um, again, I've never paid a great deal of attention to the lyrics, even. But um, I've always I've always liked at least their songs that I know of. I know the one. I guess it would be the first LP. Looking it up now. Fizz job. Oh no, that's the wrong. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong order. I know that Hey Judester LP. Yeah, uh, which is not their first LP by a mile, but that's, uh, kind of the, that's the big breakout one, right? Like that's yeah. the one that I had too. Yeah, um, the um, yeah, but anyway, cool band, but it's just uh, sad news. And again, anytime we hear tell of uh, punks, especially punks of note, uh, not that it's only punks of note, but we need to mention if there's any passings or what have you as a uh, little uh, memoriam or shout out or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely sad to hear about the passing of, you know, of anyone, obviously, but certainly someone that has touched a lot of people's lives in the music that they played. Um, and of course, the Digits are, you know, most famous. And I'm sure this is probably actually where I first heard of them from was The Offspring. Yeah, it's uh, like, because they cover them, right? If I recall correctly. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. See, I don't, I never got into them that way. I got into them from uh, skate videos, but. Um, did they cover them on the first record or Smash? On Smash. What's like, that's the whole story. That's why the digits were set for life. Huh. It's because uh, it was, they got so much money off that. Because um, I think it was like 10 cents per album sold. Huh. Maybe I'm wrong on that, how much money actually was given to them, but certainly enough that they didn't have to worry about it. Crazy. I'm just trying to find what the actual cover is on the record. I haven't listened to that. Killboy so Power? Uh, oh, Killboy Pirate. Yeah, okay. Wow. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Either way. Cool. Yo, that's how you know you've done it. You know, like if you're, if you're like, you're set. When a band covers your song as just like some like filler side B track. <laughs> and you never have to work another day in your life. 
It would be nice if that's oh. true. That is, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, a cherry point. dream. That's a cherry yeah. dream. That's a cherry dream of the 90s. I don't think that would happen in 2016. <laughs> no, probably not the same royalties or, or things of that nature. No. What did this record even sell? Do they have that? In the United States, it sold over 6 million copies. Wow. Yep. Well, 11 million copies worldwide. So they got $1.1 million off that record if it was 10 cents per copy. Crazy. Well. Chris, we're in the wrong business. We should have been in the digits. (laughs) Yeah. Or licensing music, yeah. Licensing music. Um, But anyway, sorry, not to uh, digress onto something humorous off of something tragic, but once again, rest in peace, Doug Evans. Yeah. Uh, And uh, shifting over to something uh, also tragic, but in a completely different way, the cake shop has closed the Brit, the sort of, uh, you know, institution of New York music for the last 10 years. I guess would you say ten years? Um, yeah, it said said it's been. I never knew how long it'd been going, but it said ten years. Yeah, because we were supposed to play it ten years ago with. Um, uh, we're like fucked up. Was supposed to play it ten years ago at CMJ, and then that didn't happen when Him Roller just come out. So, have you ever played the Cake Shop? Never played it. Hmm. You know what's the irony is that I've played it and you haven't. There's a couple of venues like that, Chris. We've, we've crossed those bridges before on this show. Yeah, I guess. But it's just I always find that bizarre because I just assume you would have played there. But it was uh, – yeah, we did a matinee show there once. Or Blight did. And it was uh, it was decent. But um, I thought the place was neat. I never really had gone there beyond playing, sadly. Uh, obviously, I don't live in New York. But, um, <clears throat> but I can't figure out if um, it's the actual venue that is just closing and, and the – sort of the upstairs remains it seems to suggest that um that they're possibly moving to brooklyn or something of that nature mm. um they had a sister venue um uh, called briar falls and then grand victory and they were looking to potentially reopen in brooklyn um so we'll see the two other ones folded but apparently there's rumors that they might still try to do something else so we'll see but as far as the that venue and uh in New York itself and the Lower East Side, it is no longer as of uh, what well, was uh, New Year's was the last show. And I remember seeing uh, Cause Commotion did play. There was a bunch of bands that played. Um, if you looked like whatever, social media had a lot. New York people were putting up uh, cool photos and whatnot. Yeah, it's a shame to see it. You know, obviously another venue go. Um, it's, it's what are there a lot of venues left now? I'm thinking <laughs> in New York and the Lower East Side. I don't know. I mean, that's, I guess that's the, the fear really is the idea of, uh, you know, the, the, the typical narrative of, uh, you know, bigger cosmopolitan cities forcing out sort of the, whatever the artistic community for lack of a better phrase. Um, so I don't know if in New York, I don't know which, uh, again, I don't, I don't, like, do you guys play Manhattan when you when you play New York often, or yeah, like we have over the years, you know, like we definitely played a lot of venues, yeah, you know, over the years, but a lot of them are gone now, you know, like there's a lot of the venues that we 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 frequented are no longer there, and same in Brooklyn, yeah. same all over the place, you know, like it's kind of like the constant struggle, I guess, like these venues open up in neighborhoods, they become cool neighborhoods, and then they shut down the venues, yeah. It uh, seems to be the way, sadly, but yeah, 
So this is another one. New York in, the, I guess, the last two, like, little while, because this, this closing and then uh, the Ashram closed about a year ago. Mind you, that was in Brooklyn, but, um, yeah, crazy. I think there was another one that went went down recently, too. Yeah. But either way. Yeah, they, sad. They've got, like, on the la- on the 28th of December, apparently, at 1145, They Live played. I don't think it's the They Live from Buffalo. <laughs> I know. I was looking at that, too. We're looking at a link on Brooklyn Vegan, and it's it mentions They Live. And I was as soon as I read that, I was like, that cannot be no. <laughs> the, the band I'm thinking of. No. It's got to be another They Live. Unfortunately not. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, on to some, I guess, even more, uh, you know, uh, tragic news for, for less people. Um, less, well, not to say it's not tragic news for a lot of people, but the Bad Brains did not get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which means that Punk once again managed to narrowly avert the, uh, whole Bad Brains big boys conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I did not think that that's where you were going with that when you started that statement. But uh, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting to make note of because we had discussed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what episode, but we were talking about the inductees and the idea of them being inducted. And I actually thought they would they would be inducted. I'm actually. I, I think they will too, but I just don't think this year. You know, they had yeah. way more important people to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like. Whoever the fuck they inducted. <laughs> I, I I looked at the list. I can't remember again. It was, but I remember being surprised when I actually saw the inductees and that they weren't on it. Um, there was a statement on a link. Yeah, like they, like they, you know, real real influential bands like Yes and Journey and ELO. ELO, I'm into the other two. I'm not so into. Like I like I'm into them too. Like I'm sure people like them, and I'm sure they've influenced like a lot of bands. But I can't see them influencing a lot of bands that I'm into. Like ELO's got a couple songs I really like. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I, I think it's it's sort of an obvious one for me that they clearly bad brains meaning clearly influenced and were a more important group uh, in the grand scheme than those three, bar none. Arguably, probably more important than the whole list, frankly. But um, of inductees, that is. But um, like that's so like that is what's the problem with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It's like oh fuck yes, and Journey are in it. And even well, think, ELO, like you know, even ELO. Well, I think I think the problem there is that I, I'm guessing that there is this consideration for the idea of like records sold and like sort of the the spectacle of what the band was in some regard. And I don't think, I mean, I might be being naive, but I, I'm assuming the Bad Brains never sold a, like a huge amount of records. No. So, uh, and of course, their most influential stuff, arguably, is the earliest stuff, which you know always kind of remains very niche, but. Um, yeah, it's weird to me. I just think it's, it's such an obvious choice, like that, that I'm, uh, kind of amazed that it didn't happen, but it just goes to show that like, even when I think as cynical as I am about sort of the way things are going, I go, oh, actually, this is still kind of a, a genre that is still against the grain enough where it's not going to get in on like a hall of fame, you know, like rock and roll thing or whatever, like an industry accepted standard. So Maybe that's a positive. I don't really know. I just think in one regard, I think it would have been nice to just see something like that get acknowledged is all all I was kind of um, bummed about hearing they didn't get in. But whatever. Yeah, like I, you know, like I think these, the only reason I think these people should be in any sort of Hall of Fame is so they get some sort of validation on, on the work they put in. 
But, you know, does it fucking matter? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Exactly. Not that's that's at the uh, all. Yeah, that's the uh, catch-22 of this whole uh, whatever, the thought of inducting anybody into a Hall of Fame or whatever. Have you seen a photo of Pearl Jam lately? <clears throat> I have not, no. Oh, man. Like, who the hell? Like, look on that, uh, there's like a photo of them on that, on that link that you had embedded in the article. Like, if you click on the hot link for the artist that didn't make the cut. Okay, uh, I didn't see where I recognize Eddie Vedder, but it's just like the rest of these dudes. It's like, wow, this band looks <laughs> so different. I recognize the guy behind him, like immediately behind yeah, him. Yeah, I recognize him too. Yeah. But, but yeah, the rest I don't at all. But again, uh, I don't I don't know. Not a pro jam guy really, so I wouldn't have paid that much attention. I like Green River though, you know? Like I think <laughs> You do. You like to bring them up whenever you can. <laughs> Either way. Weird. So was it saying Oh no, Pearl Jam did get inducted. Oh, they got inducted. They're definitely going yeah. to the fucking rock and roll. It was Hall Pearl thing. Jam, Tupac, yes, Journey, Elect Yellow, Joan Baez, amongst the ones who got it. So it's like I don't know, you know that that says it all right there. Really, is uh-huh. uh, is this saying here that MC Five also did not get inducted? Again? Yeah, they got they got turned down. Oh my god, this is insane. Just like the, a, just like the a, stuff they turned down is crazy. So not only the Bad Brains not get in, but MC5 didn't get in again. Who should have been in <laughs> twenty like, thirty? Once years again, ago. can I state that this is like the dumbest concept, yeah. like ever? Like that there's like this little list every year of like this isn't like the fucking like it's not some jock thing like where you can actually be like they're measurable. Like, oh, this guy's better at hitting home runs than this person was. Yeah. You know, and that, like, or this person's better at doing this than that person was. It's like, unless we're talking about record sales, and then, like, you know, then they should just make it all by album sales. Yeah. And, they, and then they don't get any chance to try and be, like, they're, you know, cool. Then it would just be full of, like, terrible stuff, like Macklemore, <laughs> and, like, it should be, like, all, you know, and, you know, like, this is, like, a chance for them to play, like, you know, revisionist history and be like, no, 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 like this, we, we like rock and rolls always also love the Velvet Underground too. And the Stooges, we love them the whole time. It is kind of weird. Yeah. On that notion at the minimum on that notion that that wasn't something they, they rectified this year. I, it's crazy. When I look at the list of who got in and who didn't, the list who got in makes no sense. It makes even less without yeah. that. <laughs> like the, like, <laughs> The zombies again? Nope. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, yeah. So that was other news item. Uh, not terribly important in the grand scheme, but I just thought we should probably bring it up. Um, that, well, that definitely brought us back up from a, two bummer ones. So thank you, Chris, for doing that. Yeah, true. Uh, now let's before we jump into the Terry T episode, which is amazing. By the way, Chris, best TG Allen story you've ever heard. As far as best, I mean like best <laughs> as in like most intense. Not as I like the way you. Uh, I like the way you disclaim that at the last second. Uh, yeah, it was definitely not what I expected. <laughs> um, yeah, just insane. I like the idea that it was. It was spoken from a perspective of someone saying, "Like, I don't believe this guy's like the real deal." <laughs> yeah. That's that's the perspective I thought was really amusing hearing it. But uh, yeah, it was of course. It's a crazy story. It's well, that's exactly the, thing. the kind of story you would think to hear when you first show someone a Gigi Allen thing. It'd be like, oh, is this fake? Because it's like, <laughs> well, how could this be real? 
Like, why would this be real? So anyway, we got a lot, we'll get into that more in a second. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but first we got to dissect this mailbag. Yes. So we have our regular columns and a ton of mailbag stuff for the last few weeks piling up. So, um, yeah. Do you want to take the first or would you like me to roll with well, it? You go with the first the... one and then I'll go for the second. <clears throat> okay. So the first one is from Kel, our Norwegian correspondent. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, in reference to the 10 inches. This was uh, some weeks back now, more than a few even. Somehow the the best 10 inches got uh, broached. And it's yet another list of things we need to <laughs> work on and decide on, a, a, I don't know, a, whatever, a, our fundamental ones. But Yeah, we're the definitive um, list. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he sent his. Um, he listed 10 of them. Um, the first one here... Dead Ger- Gerhardsons? I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but anyway, from 96, he's got a link on this. I'm not familiar I'm with this. I've never heard of this record either. Um, I don't yeah, think I've wow. ever seen this 10-inch. Yeah, it's spelt G-E-H, like dead, and then G-E-H-A-R-D-S-E-N-S. But uh, I'm not familiar. Listed as punk, of course, uh, from Norway, um, where, of course, Kel is from. I'm assuming that's probably why... Uh, he is more familiar than than the two of us about it. Uh, Poison Idea is falling on his list. This band uh, is very pop punky. Yeah, it's got a pop punk look to the aesthetic, but I didn't know it's on Siri. Siri, it's pretty records. good. You played it. You playing a song? I'm listening to it in the background. <laughs> nice. Uh, number two on the list: Religion and Politics, Part One and Two by Poison Idea from Tim Kerr Records, 1993. Um, I don't have this Poison Idea uh, record. I have this record. It's great. I don't know, like... If I were to put a 10-inch up, I'd probably put up... Uh, oh, no, I'm taking the wrong 10-inch. Oh, no, they did put one for uh, Getting the Fear. They did a 10-inch. Did they not? Or was that a reissue? Is that the reissue? I get confused, because I can't remember. They did one as a 7-inch, one as a 10, or maybe both. That's probably the one I would choose by Poison Idea, personally. But um, I like that this is a, a sort of a left-of-center Poison Idea choice. Yeah, getting the fear. No, I think the original getting the fear was a ten inch. I am dead wrong. It was a twelve inch. Never mind. Um, yeah, this is. The, I agree that this uh, politics and religion is amazing because this is also where they do the Gizem cover. Yeah. So great they choice. Do this, they do another Gizem cover too, right? Don't they do all those blockaded pussy footers? They do. I don't know if it's not on this. They do that. They no, do they do it. death agonies and screams on this one. Yeah, I don't have this. You have this record. No, I'm jealous. It's not a big money record. No, but it's, I mean, it's, it's just... kind of cool because it's a picture disc. Oh, is it? As a ten inch. Oh yeah, it is. Strange. Anyway, cool, um, cool choice. Um, that was this number two. The Bone Idols. I D L E S. Beware of. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the label from 2011. Um, again, this is a newer release. I'm not familiar with this one either. Uh, I, this one looks vaguely familiar. Yeah, this has got kind of a pus head aesthetic, but it's, yeah, it's not a pus, pus head or Florian or someone else. Yeah, uh, interesting. I don't know this record to comment, but cool. Um, the uh, what's they the do next? a Kafka process song on it? Nice. Um, Stupids and Hard On Split. No cheese. Waterford Records, nineteen eighty eight. I also don't have this. Have um, it. Good. Fucking amazing record. <laughs> um, so, no, no, this is like you know this begs our point and you know and this is not to diss any of his choices on this one because these are his favorites yeah but like you know this is like this is you know i don't know if i would put the hard-ons 
Uh, maybe I would. You know what? I was, was going to say, I don't know if I put it on my best 10 inches list, but I, now I think I might put it on my best 10 inches list because it's hard to, <laughs> pick, it's hard to think of 10 other really good 10 inches. Uh, it's true. The format, see, for the listener who's not, doesn't know why we're getting into this, it sort of came up when we were discussing the idea of like more or less the 10 inches, the worst vinyl format. And yeah. so the idea of trying to make the great 10 inch records, meaning that there aren't very many it should be easy to like distill a list of actually good ones because most of them are pretty forgettable or throwaway or whatever or novelty um so this is where we came up with this anyway um number four on his list but mind you the hard-on stupid split is awesome because that's like it's the covers one where they do like all these different covers on it too yeah cool well that poison idea one's sick too i mean i haven't heard some of these other ones but the poison idea one's great like there are good 10 inches without question one is coming up that I'm that I would back hard, but um, and uh, number five is list here is rudimentary P and I, archaic EP, which I also don't have because again my ten inch collection is clearly lacking. Uh, this is from 2014. So this is actually later a reissue. So this is from 2004. Or 2004, pardon me, not 14. I read uh, that wrong. Yeah, anyway, what is this? I'm not familiar either. Kel, you're really uh, you're really killing us with these, but that I like the choices here, but I'm just not sure if this is a like a, a posthumous release kind of thing or whatever. It's on Outer Himalayan Records, um, 2004. It's got the weirdest cover art ever, in a weird like what is that? It's sort of like looks like a seahorse. Well, almost, yeah, it's, or, it's what's his face? His illustrations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like. Yeah, it's like it's, a seahorse, horse. It almost horse. looks like an illustration from a like a children's book or something. It's yeah, it's black and white. Yeah, it looks like a Stedman kind of thing almost too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Stedman. interesting. Rudimentary peanut. I don't know. You don't have I it. Check that out. No, I love rudimentary peanut. I don't have it. Well, there you go. Uh, the next one, uh, I back this big time. This one from PBB slash Incognito Records, 1998, The Anal Babes, Cocaine Swastika. Although it's weird, it's listed as self-titled on the resource. I find that bizarre. But anyway, um, yeah, this is uh, yeah, a, a sort of contentious group, I suppose, in 2016. But uh, this is a good record. Uh, especially I think all that not. Scandinavian rock stuff is like, it's not contentious, but it's just like how much of that stuff is aged not age, but like is 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 relevant now. Like obviously, Turbo definitely, and and, and the helicopters and. Yeah, I think uh, I really like this record. I think this record is, uh, but it definitely takes a certain sensibility Anal to babies. enjoy. Something it. else by this band. Well, they have a split with Turbo Negro, of course. Um, it's probably the most sort of whatever notable thing. But um, I have the one seven inch by them also, which is called Fear and Loathing with the Anal Babes. From Straight yeah. Jackets, nineteen ninety. Um, oh, of course, and they have a yeah brain bomb split. Which, if anyone is familiar with these groups, you know what we're talking about as far as being. Oh, think, yeah, and I'm thinking of Delirium or Diarrhea. That's the album I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's all they're they're an interesting weirdo band. Uh, great choice, number six. Back that um, number seven on his list. He has sort of a tie. You would choose either Helicopters Glucifer Split or Helicopters Flaming Sideburns. Can't choose, uh, he writes. So, again, I like the helicopters. I'm not specifically familiar with these splits, but... Um, the helicopters, uh, uh, Glucifer split, that's like a, that was like a full blast standard issue 
record. Yeah, it's very it's that aesthetic. It's got almost like a the whatever the man's ruin vibe, even though it's not man's ruin. But um, of course, helicopters did I think put out records on man's ruin as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mistaken. Oh yeah. This kind of uh, yeah that whole thing. But um, cool. That's a good choice. And eight, I backed this too, a newer record as well, Hard Skin, Fucking Skid, Fucking Punks, Knockout Records, 2008. If there's is an any band record. befitting of the 10-inch format more than Hard Skin, <laughs> I cannot name them. <laughs> this is a really good one too. I Honestly, I'm going to go on record right now and say that this might be the strongest set of Hard Skin songs consecutively. And the uh, the live set on this is also incredible. Uh, which I think is only on the CD, but the 10 inch, uh, no, it doesn't have the, the live set, but the, um, like we are the wankers Romford, let's have it. That's a good, like three song back to back. Pretty excellent. Um, again, back that, uh, germs, number nine cat's claws on monster records, 1993. And, uh, Nothing more to say other than I don't have this again, but germs, of course, without... Uh, and I don't think that counts. Because, like, okay, mean? and we're going to get into this issue, I think, with a lot of these 10 inches. Yeah. Like, for a record to count, it had to, like, be conceived as a 10-inch record. Gotcha. Not like, a posthumous thing, yeah. You, know, you can't be, yeah, because, like, you know, <clears throat> there's, like, you know, novelty records that could put on 10-inch and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like the 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 Ruination American flag-shaped record. I have, actually it was a twelve inch before it was cut down, but like yeah. you know, like I, I think it has I to get, be yeah. conceived as a ten inch record. Yeah, the, I, I'm with you there. So I guess this is this technically is is excluded, but it is a good ten inch. Yeah, it's fucking um, amazing, and like you know, it's a Germs live Starwood. Oh, no, it's a bunch of live sets, and it's yeah. you know, like yeah, it's it it's the Germs. You know, it's like how can you not have that on the list? But then, but you know, like there's I'm sure there's like. Beatles 10 inches that we could put on this list too. <laughs> uh, Kids Like Us at number, what is it? Uh, 10. Kids Like Us, self-titled, Primitive Records from 2002. Again, vaguely familiar with this band. Um, don't know this record, but uh, a cool choice. Interesting. I, I like that there's a lot of newer choices here from Kel because a yeah, lot of the too. ones we, we're getting to from a lot of people are sort of not um, contemporary, and some of these are, which is good to see. Uh, and the honorable mention he mentions, which I cannot pronounce this band name, but it's Vir Vir Grauer Os. Vir Os. Split with Anti Control. Control. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's probably butchering it. But um, anyway, it's a uh, on Plata Records, uh, Drift Profit Records from 2005. Again, do not know this record either, but. Uh, yeah, contemporary choice again. I think that's kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, and those that were those were his uh, submissions for the ten inches. All right, Dave Martin comes Dave uh, with his inches. little submission. So Dave Martin has the fall slates. Oh, and by the way, Cal, thank you so much for having those uh, Discogs hot links in there. I made it much easier. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay, well then. Uh, uh, he he has reissued ten inches. He's Dave Martin, of course, regular columnist, friend of the show, past guest. Uh, has reissues ten inches as a separate kind of thing. Uh, he has the fall slate's end of discussion, and then he has. Uh, there's also that weird germs ten inch cat's claws on Munster. Lots <laughs> of English stuff like the Motorhead Girl School ten inch that would I think probably be on my list too. 
Yeah, some great Melvin's ten inches. Very yeah. true. Do you bomb Turks ten inches? Uh, those Oblivion ten inches are great, uh, but at the same time, nowhere near as good as their full length record. Same goes for Gaunt's. Whitey the Man ten inch easily their most inessential release, though you do need all of them. Uh, Pavement <laughs> perfect sound forever. Uh, Los uh, Silesios, uh, wild teen punk from Peru, 1965. Uh, it says it's amazing, but it's since been reissued as an LP. Same goes for Crushed Butter. Butler, sorry. Butler, yeah. Uh, and then Tall Dwarves 3EPs are conceptually perfect. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, and yep. then, so he says, uh, but in a way, I'd say that you could also only include these releases that were planned by, is what I'm saying, exactly. by active bands. Not some novelty <laughs> reissue marketing gimmick thing. Exactly. I was exactly. waiting for you to get to that and be vindicated because everything you were saying was coming up in the next message. Yeah, exactly. Vindication is, <laughs> is mine. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, it, it's, is there any more tensions or is that it? No, there's there. I didn't put them in order. I just kind of put the messages as they came. So there will be more. There's not a great deal more. Those are the most thorough, thorough lists, pardon me. But, um, yeah, that that's the there is other ones we'll touch on, but okay. not not as big the lists uh, as those. All right, well let's move on to uh, the next email then, Chris. Yeah, it's uh, David Up's column for the week. Uh, it's sort of addressing a couple things because it's a few weeks sort of past. Uh, the Lars episode he commented on. <laughs> I just thought this was really funny. Uh, he said in the Lars episode, it was commented that uh, Lars mentioned the New Jersey of California, I believe is what he called. What did he call San Jose that? Yeah, San Jose, the New Jersey of California. Yeah, or some, somewhere not San Francisco. And, uh, and so Dave said, I assume he means that it's great. Dave, of course, is a New Jersey native. Yes. Uh, I love and, 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 you know, for all of New Jersey's greatness, there still is that part of the state that a lot most people do see which is the part that you'd have to drive through when you drive into New York, yes. which which might be the part Lars is thinking of. Yes. Also, uh, a part that we are very intimately familiar with, Damien and I, yes. uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> very intimately <laughs> Very familiar. intimately familiar with. It's, a, it's not the most beautiful part of the no. United States of America. All respect due, but yeah. All respect due, and some amazing music, and some amazing, beautiful parts of that state, you know? It's like a huge, incredibly diverse state with, like, swamps and, like, you know, like, forests and, like, you know, ocean fronts and surfing and all sorts of things like that, but then also that part, also that part around New York. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, the uh, he continues on here. He just mentions the Riot Girl related talk from the Rancid uh, Lars episode. Uh, I remember seeing Rancid on a lot of those flyers with those bands. Love the Frumpy shout out. Uh, there's no way <laughs> Toby Morris wants that shit story publicized. <laughs> uh, he also mentions, oh well. Um, and then he continues on here, the Gerard footnotes. <clears throat> Excuse me, he had a few thoughts here. Um, George Michael, obviously, we brought up at the beginning of that show last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, obviously not punk, but definitely post-punk or at least punk adjacent. The original lineup of Wham! included rhythm section that would go on to start Big Flame, which has a case like it's lowercase b, large case ig. Very strange looking. Anyway, um, but uh, the vinyl discography is incredibly convoluted and frustrating, but there was a CD that Drag City put out with everything, I think. Wonderfully angular and obtuse songs. In some of the liner notes, they claim uh, that a two that two 
whenever Big Flame songs were recorded as Wham, um, oh, songs wow. with quote George Michael's <laughs> uh, and Andrew Rid- Rid- Ridley's. I don't know. How to, anyway, talentless guitar. Um, the same liner notes hint vaguely uh, at outing them in reference to the tabloids offering them money for their story, and they refused because Wham paid them more to keep them quiet. Who knows if that's true, but a great story if sh- for sure, if true. Um, kind of that point, and pause on a moment, I just think that whole thing is kind of insane, if that's true. Yeah. Like, both both things about that. Um, but I wasn't aware, more more sort of relevantly, that there was a connection sort of to a punk band from Wham or George Michael at all. No, I had no idea that like I love Big Flame. They were of course on the C eighty six comp. They have a uh, I picked up their seven inch actually this summer when I was in the UK or this fall I should say in the UK. And one of the guys would go on to become part of the Inca babies at a certain point too. And you know, like they're you know, but I had no I no clue there's a Wham connection. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm trying did he say which member it was that was in Wham? Um no, I just mentioned the George Michael and Andrew Rid- Ridgely. Yeah. Um, being on the songs. I don't know if any of them were certified members or how that worked, but yeah, yeah that's only thing I was mentioned. But I like, you know, it makes sense, as we said in that episode, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like if you were involved in anything kind of cool, chances are you were punk adjacent. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. And now um, you're Drake adjacent if you're involved in something cool. Yeah, he mentions here too. Uh, Big Flame were crucially important to him as there were some um, CMU students uh, who put out a fanzine named after a Big Flame song, "Cubist Pop Manifesto." Um, the zine was carried at a record store where he worked, and when uh, uh, he became friends, uh, sort of uniting the newly post-hardcore punk. Oh, this is more- Dave. I think this is Dave Martin. This is Dave Martin. Why did I put this under David Up? Anyway, uh, pardon me. This isn't David Up. I'm attributing that the first part definitely was David Up. Yeah, this that's is, definitely uh, David Up. That Dave sounds Martin. like David Up. If, if yeah. Dave Martin started cheering for New Jersey, things would get really weird. <laughs> so pardon me. I attribute it to the wrong person. But anyway, he's mentioning this. Uh, this zine came out in Pittsburgh uh, with indie people, and it sort of was important in uh, bridging that gap. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, hardcore, um, moving on, he goes to hardcore noise indie rock scene crossovers. Uh, he's always refused the term pig fuck, the lovely term that I learned about last week <laughs> and Damien knew about, but we both kind of think is stupid beyond words. Um, uh, hated it then, hate it more now. <laughs> hated it then, hate it, hate it more then. Then, anyway, uh, stuck with me as the worst of what UK Music Press had to offer. I believe it came from the deliverance squeal like a pig scene. And, uh, yeah, so that was his column there. And then there was um, a bit here from David Up, this, I believe. I'm going to go back and check now because I feel bad that I misattributed that. Um, oh, the oh, the Accidental Straight Edge Accidental Straight Edge songs. I feel like David Up submitted those, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, either way, one of the Daves, they're both lovely, uh, submitted Accidental Straight Edge songs, which is another topic that's going to come up. Uh, here and there on episodes, or at least from people writing in. Um, Trouble at the Cup by Black Randy and Express Yourself by NWA, which I don't know about that latter one. but Why well, don't uh, smoke weed or cess because it's known to give about the brain damage, and brain damage on the mic won't manage nothing but making you and a sucker <laughs> equal. Don't be another sequel. Express yourself. 
Yeah, okay. And then uh then fast forward to the chronic. But yeah. Yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> well, I suppose. Well, easy call them out on that one, Chris. True. True. I don't know. That's saved out for that's saved for our other podcast. Turned out a rat beef. Yeah. Footnotes. <laughs> so we, uh, the Daves, uh, collectively submitted those in whatever fashion. I apologize for getting the credits wrong there. Um, the live <laughs> mind known as the twin-headed Dave Beast. Yes, best people. Yes. Um, the next uh, message is nice and short, and I believe you should take it, Dave. This is from uh, I would say one of the foremost experts on records and punk and hardcore music in general. In North America, Chris Menacucci, a.k.a. Cooch, former member of Righteous Jams, coming up as a guest next week on the show. In regards to the H100's band name, I can't believe you schlubs didn't know that it was a type of firework. (laughs) Know you hooligan, uh, miscreant. In Canada, we don't really have fireworks. We, we do, but we don't have fire. We don't have H one hundred fireworks. Yeah, we didn't have. The I, think, I, I think when he says fireworks, he means a firecracker. Oh, that's a whole other thing too. Yeah, I, we uh, we actually discussed this in person because I was amused by this message, and I believe our version of that is the M eighty. So yeah. it begs the question that uh, you should start eventually an H one hundred cover band called the M eighties. Or well, there was a band, there's there's actually been two bands called M eighties. Yeah, but they're not not with that intent. That's true. Oh yeah, weird. It it, it is like uh it's like a it is an, it's sometimes referred to as an M80, an M100, yeah. or an M1000. But those yeah. are illegal in Canada too. You had to you had to smuggle that shit in. You know, like walking to <laughs> a store and buying an M80 unless it was like there's actually a store in Toronto called In Advance in uh in like this like kind of nice part of town that sold like video games and we were told that if you went in there and you used a code word you could get fireworks and a kid who lived in the neighborhood showed us this one time and he bought fireworks there like illegal firecrackers like m80s and all that kind of shit cherry bombs and all that stuff and so we went back and we heard the password was turtles like like the candy bar turtles okay and so we went in there and we're like hey can we get a package of turtles please and the guy's like, yep, and gave us a package of turtles. And we're like, no, 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 no. We mean, the, actual- <laughs> okay. we mean yeah. the real turtles. And it went on for a while. It was like that exchange of the egg scene. Anyway, long story short, Chris did not get any fucking H100s or M80s or whatever you want to call them that day. <laughs> we got set up. Work, yeah. <laughs> we got set up, Chris. They weren't selling us to non-locals. That's that's quite uh that's funny actually. I, I never thought of the idea of dealing like fireworks with code words. Yeah, no, little did I know that all these years later I'd still be buying gray market illegal goods from stores. I don't have to use code <laughs> words anymore for it. <laughs> nice. Uh but anyway, that that is thanks Cooch. Uh and for more fun facts, stay tuned to next week's episode with Cooch. Yes, absolutely. And it's a good one. It's yes. a, it's a good one in general. It's got uh, a killer Boston cast. Of a the killer, foremost, killer Boston cast. Yeah, it does. Of the four most important uh, contemporaries from that city, I would argue. Question uh, for you, Chris. <clears throat> yeah. Should we air all the live episodes in a row and do a whole month of live stuff or break them up? 
I I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the theme of doing them all back to back. Me too. Me too. I really like that. But then I'm like, oh, well, people get sick of them all being live. No, I don't. I don't. What I like about it is that it's such a smorgasbord of guests that I think it keeps it really interesting because you don't get the same kind of format. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Definitely right, Chris. Okay. So, you know what? Still live month, everyone. Still live month next month. Yeah, I just think it's cool. It, it's it rings in the new year nicely too, and I think it uh, it will allow us to talk about those footnotes in a good manner while it's still fresh too. Yeah, and we'll also be joined, hopefully, uh, all things going according to plan by the Daves at various points throughout the course of the month. Uh, the Dave Martin and the, the David Up will yeah. be joining us to uh, fill in uh, some uh, other footnotes on their respective episodes. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Um, Dave, of course, was at the New York show. Dave, uh, Dave yeah. Pittsburgh Dave, as he's affectionately known in these parts. Or, or Dave Martin, we call him Dave. Martin. Or Dave Martin, but either way, right. Pittsburgh Dave is actually then he has a cool nickname like David Up. <laughs> yes, and yes. Andy it up. Andy it up, David up. Yes, Pittsburgh yeah. Dave. We've got many. If you know, eventually, if you want to be a part of this, we're gonna we're gonna figure out your name. So, if you, you played know. in a band, that's gonna be your last name. <laughs> yeah, more than likely, that's a good choice. Yeah. You know what though? No, it's fucked up, Chris. What's that? You're Chris it up too. I could be, yeah. It's true. So Chris it up, and like that's because you're like. <laughs> it could also be Urban Chris, which is an equally funny name. Urban Chris is a good <laughs> one too. <laughs> or my punk name, my punkest of names, Chris Blight. Chris Blight's a good name too. Uh, Blight O'Toole. Yeah, there you go. Um, there's, 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 yeah, like you going, Damien fucked up. It's just, you know, or Damien Criminally Insane, Damien Millennial <laughs> Rain. Nah, it doesn't, I'm, I'm terrible with my names. <laughs> no, but millenni- Millennial Dame is what it would be. Millennial Dame. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, we're sort of side, I yes. don't know where we were. We came yeah, we're coming up with nicknames for me right now, Chris. I think we're definitely <laughs> pretty off track. You already have nicknames. I don't. You don't need to come up with any. Yep. My <laughs> nicknames are... <laughs> I don't know. Where are we going with this one? Okay, let's yeah. go. Next one, uh, your email, buddy. Yes, we have a question from Dave from L.A. Uh, asking us if we are familiar with the early 2000s band called In Pieces. From well, the you really know the like, I just want to drop a line and tell you that I'm well, a huge fan know. of the okay. show. Okay, well, go. Read, the, read that then. <laughs> well, you know, now it's awkward because now – but. Uh, you know, it's anyway, he, he does he does say some very nice things about the show yeah. right off the top. So you're right, Chris. Which, it's awkward which, if we have to read it, but yeah. very very kind things. So please do send in very kind things to us because Chris and I have crushingly low self esteem and need <laughs> need this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I just thought it was that was more of the yeah. Anyway. Appreciate that, Dave. Either way. Uh, and, of course, yet another Dave. Um, but uh, band from the early 2000s called In Pieces. think they were from New England. Put out a couple albums and disappeared. Any idea what happened to those guys? I'd love to see if they're still performing. I uh, am vaguely familiar with this band in name, but I do not remember a great deal about them. Uh, and I've sure tried to look stuff sure. up. I could have swore. Uh, I think I'm confusing them with another band, though. Because I thought they were still kind of going, but I, I definitely have confused the band name. Because uh, I've searched some things and I cannot seem to find anything with that name relating to anything. In Pieces is like the, the band that was on Escape Artist? Uh, maybe. I don't know. 
I, yeah, I like it was the band that became With Honor. One of the dudes became more With Honor or something. Yeah, I again, I vaguely remember the name, but I don't. Uh... One of the guys became part of With Honor. You have that guys. confirmed? Yeah, I'm looking at the resource. Ah. And one of the guys is in uh, Bare Hands. And huh. uh, the other guy is also in Bare Hands. What we've just learned here is that Damien is better at the resource than me because I just tried to look this up a second ago and failed. In pieces, but, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that this must be that band. From New England. Yeah, They're on Escape no, Artist Records. That's got to be them. Yeah, this is the one you're thinking of, yeah. But um, anyway, so that's the only info we know about that. Um, if you look on the resource, uh, and if you listen to the show, you know what the resource is. But yeah, Escape Artist Records, Purity Records, Psych Records uh, all put out their stuff. And of course, there's links to the different members and what they're doing now. But it looks like, well, With Honor, I guess, was like the probably the bigger, of course, bigger than uh, In Pieces, it seems. One of them went on to do that. Mm-hmm. And then that other group you mentioned, is that more contemporary? Uh, Bare Hands, yeah, 2014, so it seems fairly recent. Um, but yeah. Either way, the drummer. Sorry, go on. The drummer went on to that, as did the bass player. Bass player. So the rhythm section went on to be in bare hands, and then the other member who was trying to figure out the with honor guy was that the singer? No. Let me see here. Man, Escape Artist Records. They've got like a pretty incredibly diverse catalog of stuff. They put out like a lot of bands that went on to become something in their own little worlds. Yeah. Sound really here, dismissive yeah. when I said little worlds. No, no. Their own Theory major of Ruin's worlds. an interesting band. That's yeah, Kiel, there's some interesting stuff Playing on Playing Enemy, which is the post kiss goodbye band. Po- post which, sorry? Post kissing goodbye, I believe. Huh. That came up on the show before, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it could be. Sounds like something. Maybe maybe um, I'm totally wrong on that. There's not as no one from Kiss Goodbye, I don't think it is. <laughs> so, oh, it does, it does. Phew, okay. It does have someone from Kiss Goodbye. There you go. Yeah. And um, the latter part of this email uh, mentions Amanda Palmer. Uh, this person read an interview with her, ever thought about having her as an interview guest, and he's curious as to see what... Um, Love to hear that isn't really in a punk scene, but also Quest Love is another suggestion for a guest. Yeah, like I would uh, like you know, there's really very few people that I would not want to have on this show. Um, yeah, like uh, especially someone like that. Either of those people, um, if Quest Love, I've never actually read him talk about punk at all. I don't think. I feel like though there must be something there because again we did this before and we probably well there definitely is the. Yeah, Scott Storch had some sort of punk connection, and there was someone else, right? We established there are two people thought, on the Roots team that were hardcore kids. And then we were talking about, too, on that Phrenology record, they have a punk song on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we can't remember what the song's called, but yeah, there's there's definitely little nods at the very least. And, uh, and they also just seem cool, so they're probably familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure, you know. Speaking biased, biasedly, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, maybe not Scott Storch. No, I could have sworn <laughs> it was like one of the members of the Roots. 
We went through this. This is like something we've done before. We did. Well, we went through trying to find the phrenology song, which we've still failed to do. If anyone out there knows what the song is, let us know. Yeah. It'll, we probably won't look it up again, and it'll come up again in another six months. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> either way, yes. There's a lot of we fucking songs on that record. Yeah. It's uh, it's the one of the, the, the sort of out there Roots records. Um, uh, either way, next message. From Jason W. Damien, it is yours. Uh, Poison right. idea. Uh, Jason W. is written in, uh, hey guys, regarding the epitaph reissue of Feel the Darkness, it's sketchy, it's uh, from sketchy circumstances. Here's an excerpt of an interview with Jerry A. from last year, from the interview. Concerning reissues, Feel the Darkness, 1990 American Leather, was re-released by Epitaph Records in 1996, even if it may be... It was this reissue that brought a lot of people to know Poison Idea. There's a lot of controversy behind it. Could you tell me exactly what happened among Poison Idea, Epitaph, and Steve, the Slayer hippie? And then Jerry A. Steve kind of made his own personal, <laughs> made that his own personal project along with Pig's Last Stand. When you're desperate and need money for whatever, you'll do just about anything, including steal from people. And that's why he's still in prison for stealing from someone else. Um, yeah, which, you know, that's the story I've always kind of heard. Um, but and then also on the topic of Poison Idea, I just want uh, to mention how great of an introduction of punk, Punkorama 2 was. Aside from the Voodoo Glow Skull songs, which I did think was great. Read Hilarious when I heard it as a 10 year old. And that's not a bad song. On, there's not a bad song on the release. Final note, I remember how stoked I was when fuck, with Fucked Up covering them at the first hardcore show, at my first hardcore show in 2005 at the Formac in Burlington with Shark Attack, Righteous Jams, and Mind Eraser. Big gig. That's an insane lineup when you think about it. He also left off that there was a No Warning Secret reunion of that show, too. Mm, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, they jumped on uh, uh, Shark Attack's gear. Remember they started doing Violent Mind songs? Oh, maybe I have that that whole gig the the whole gig on video. Yeah, they, uh, they went up because we did no warning songs, and then Ben sang one of them, and then during Violent Minds they went up and took the gear from they took the gear gear from Shark Attack and did a Violent Minds set, and I think they did no warning song. You, you might be right. I, I'm trying to remember. I, the, I have the lineup. I'm staring at the poster on my wall actually as we're talking about this, but. Um, yeah, brain handle, mind racer, fucked up, righteous jam, shark attack. Uh, good gig, and it was at the format. One of like three shows, maybe yeah. even two. Can't remember. I the, no, I went to another show at the format one time. Oh fuck, who was playing that show? And I walked upstairs, and they were like just finishing. Uh, I remember Riff Raff from Boston played there. I can't remember who they played Riff Raff. with. They'll probably think I care. I would imagine. Or was um, it Blacklisted? No. No, I don't think so. Okay, anyway. there was like the, there was like insanely cool gigs for like what that. Oh, Righteous Jams definitely. Put, oh, that's that show I'm thinking of. Was that the Shark Attack? Yeah, that was the Shark Attack one. Anyway, yeah, there was a few shows there. Um, short lived. No longer there, as far as I know, either. But uh, yeah, cool message. Um, Punkorama two. <laughs> Your thoughts on Punkorama two? Uh, my thoughts on Punkorama two. I remember when it was out, it wasn't really my era. I do have a pin of it that I wear around now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that is definitely, that is definitely, uh, it's like, it, all those comps are interesting. 
you know, because... they're, they're interesting in hindsight. I, I don't remember really caring much at the time, but I was I, like you. I was probably a bit past um, <clears throat> this introductory stage, or however you want to say that. I do not remember just to get away being on this and looking back on this. I'm amazed that it was, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I remember just to get away definitely being on it because I think they had a photo of Pig Champion in the cover. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. It was That's like, wild. Hey, he looks like this. <laughs> but uh yeah, it has the worst no effects song on it, maybe ever. Uh yeah. DFL on it, which is it's it's a weird choice. DFL's on that. It's so weird they were on Avatar. DFL and the Bomb Turks, Humpers. You can tell what they were doing in ninety six. Like such a strange cross section. Like modern descendants, like Pennywise Pulley, Me First, the Humpers, Rancid, of course, Millencall and Voodoo Glow Skulls, Joy Killer. Uh, TSOL, late TSOL, no effects, like late, well, not late no effects, but whatever, that weird Heavy Petting Zoo record, I think, that's from, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, this Down by Law song, I can't remember what record that's from, Gruesome Gary, is that on Punk Rock Academy Fight Song, or is that a later one? I do and, not have the track listing memorized, unfortunately. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, weird Poison Idea, which, for whatever reason, is on it, DFL Thought Control, and then, uh, SNFU from Fuck You Up Like a Bad Accident. I don't even remember what Bad Religion track this is from, but New Bomb Turks. So that must be from like that last New Bomb Turks record. Anyway, yeah, weird comp. Don't remember caring that much about it, but uh, it's funny to look back and realize that there's that Poison Idea song is amazing. <laughs> I realize it was, it was it on there. incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Um, well, you know what, Chris? We're an hour in. Yeah. And we're still in the midst of the mailbag. Totally. So, want to just do this next last one, and yeah, then sure. save all the next ones for next week, and yeah, sure. that way we'll have some time to talk about Terry T. Yeah, for sure, man. Whatever um, you want to do. Because I'm just I'm, I don't want to I don't want to run out of time, Chris. I don't worry, we're going to run out of time. There's like a lot to holy shit. People, <laughs> okay, people, you write good emails, but there are a lot of them. Oh yeah, buddy. This is the these are like three weeks piling up here. So oh my um, god, oh my god. So okay. The, so the last one here, am I taking or are you taking? Did you read that? Yeah. I, I can read it really quickly um, because yeah. I think we can handle this really quickly. Subject, Josh Brolin Punk from Nick yeah. Zed. Or, sorry, V. <laughs> I would like to start <laughs> off by saying I, too, have been turned on to Leatherface late in the game thanks to the Mackie episode. Tope is the, the spring that keeps on giving. That's what we hope here. That's what we hope. We hope it's like the holiday gift that is constantly yielding something new for you every time. Anyway, I was on Toby Morris's Instagram and I saw that Josh Brolin of No Country for Old Men fame had left a comment. And then I did a quick Google punk search and which led to this video find that he has a link. Um, and he says in the, in the link, um, which I have now subsequently watched. And he says that in this link, uh, not sure if it has been mentioned on the show before, but RKL means that he was a real punk. Well, Nick, the reason this whole video exists is because of me. Um, the video that is in question is my uh, friend Brian Maxwell Mann, host of Keep It 2000 on live audio wrestling's podcast feed. Uh, he and I are friends because of wrestling. I found out he was going to be interviewing Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro, and I said – you have to fucking ask him about being an RKL because that is one of the biggest themes of this whole show is Josh Brolin being an RKL. That comes up a lot on this thing. 
Um, and, uh, he did, but he forgot some key details, including to mention that I was the one who told him. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, Josh Brolin, there, it's an amazing clip where Josh Brolin talks about punk and the importance of it to him. But even cooler was off screen. I'm not going to get into all the details because it's going to sound really, I don't know, it's going to get weird if I go into all the details. But off screen, it was revealed that Benicio del Toro is also a punk. Well, there you go. Off screen in that interview, after that interview had taken place. But anyway, yeah, so check out that clip. But yes, we are indeed aware of Josh Brolin's punctum. And if anyone else there has a connection, anyone out there on the big internet superhighway, to Josh Brolin, please tell him that we want to interview him here on Turn Out a Punk. And it will be a good interview. I promise you that. You know? <laughs> yes. I know. I, you, I've never seen this before, so it was cool they sent it in. I know you said you were familiar with it, but. Well, <laughs> and maybe you missed that, Chris. I'm the reason it exists. Well, of course. But I mean, like, you've seen it. I didn't. I even. I knew. I, I knew that you were aware the interview went, went down or was going to go down, but I was not aware that it was filmed and you had like proof of the question being asked. Yeah, no, he sent me the link right afterwards, and that's how I knew. He's like, I forgot some of the details that you gave me. And I was like, oh. But still, it's awesome. No, it's still it's amazing that it happened. It's amazing that that is, you know, a thing. Josh Brolin was in one of the most debauched <laughs> narcore bands of all time. I just, uh, yeah, I think that's, I've always found it interesting. I'd like to hear a more thorough uh, examination of this. Ideally you interviewing him. Uh, Cause I'm curious. You would imagine there's gotta be some serious stories there beyond just saying like, Oh, I was in this band for a minute. Like it's gotta be a little more involved. I would think. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure there's like, you know, the stuff he's seen, you know, like it was from the Joey Cape episode, like the Joey from Lagwagon episode. And that gives you an indication of the, the scene that Josh Brolin was a part of because they were best friends back then. Yeah. And even, uh, he's in that thrashing movie too, which again, uh, isn't necessarily directly linked, but it was released in 86. It's like a skateboard, like a, like a really like cheesy skateboard movie or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, so. it's, it's not quite Gleam in the Cube. <laughs> no, that's also a cheesy skateboard movie. <clears throat> that movie's kind of cool, though. I like both movies, but yeah, Gleam in the Cube's more of a lit, like a real, uh, whatever. Maybe not real, I shouldn't no. say that. Thrashing's more of a real skate movie than, than Gleam in the Cube, I should say. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so there's got to be some connection there is all I'm trying to mention. So either way, great message from Nick. Great message from Nick. Should we do no, we'll save this next email for the next show. Yeah, we'll we'll carry on from. There's so we, many, dude. I know. How can there be another email about Amanda Palmer? There was another one. I don't even remember the next this. email that we're reading. Oh yeah, that's right. Anyway, we'll get to that in another year. Uh, another, Man, okay, uh, if anyone knows Amanda Palmer, please tell her to 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 make herself uh, uh, interviewable for the show. Because we are getting a lot of fucking requests. I'm going to say that right now, <laughs> it's like the third, honestly, like the third or fourth Amanda Palmer like interview request that I've received at the show. Yeah. So I can confirm that at least two have come in our way. I don't know if separately as well you've been getting them. but No. They, well, I've been getting them separately. People at shows too. 
So I don't know. If it turns out though that Amanda Palmer is like, yeah, I actually, you know, like, uh, like was part of the hardline movement, you know, or something like, you know, I was, I was actually part of the Fiesta Grande slap ham scene, you know, like, like it's like some next level mind blowing punk connection. Yeah. That would be uh, interesting. If so, for sure. I was in RKL with Josh Brolin. <laughs> I don't think she's old enough to be honest. No, no, nor do I, Chris, but you know, can dream. I can dream. A kid can dream, can he? <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> so many emails. Yes. Well, let's get on to the episode then, and then uh, we'll, we'll have another uh, episode where we deal, delve into these further. Yeah, I'm very sorry to everyone. Like, thank you, and we really do appreciate all these emails. Like, I seem like I'm, like, bummed out, but I'm actually, like, beside myself that this many people have taken the time to kind of listen to the show and beside myself with joy. I should say, but, um, and have taken this time to write such extensive emails reflecting on stuff on the show. Holy jeez! Like this show could just be mailbag. <laughs> yeah. Some weeks for sure. Oh my God. All right, Chris. Well, we're going to save that mailbag till next week too, because, uh, you know, we want to go into, into it in depth and I think we would rush it through it right now to trying to get to this Terry T episode. Yeah. No worries, man. We'll start it off. What do you want to talk about? Oh, well, um, I think like, I think the idea of, you know, buying the sex pistols and the sex pistols first American tour and just the way the sex pistols are taken up initially in America. Okay. In England. Well, cause like in England, it was, it was like, a, I don't know. It seemed like it was like a lot more of a, a, a sensation. You know, like, like it was like something to be like a real legitimate threat. Whereas in America, it seemed like it was almost like a novelty threat. I can, I can, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think there's something to what you're saying. I believe if I had to categorize it, I think it's because, in the, I don't know, but I, I'm assuming there was definitely similar artists or these artists definitely broke over in, in England as well or, or the UK in general, but I'm thinking of like America has already, you know, had Alice Cooper and uh, I'm trying to think of more like artists like that that were kind of breaking barriers. I guess to a degree, Kiss, uh, The Doors, um, stuff like that before the Sex Pistols like come over or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and again, I know there's stuff in Britain that definitely was uh, equally. whatever sensational or even those artists had already been over there. But I think, you know, with, with most things like in the UK, I think the, the, um, what the sex pistols were speaking about spoke more directly to issues in England than they did in America. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, That's part of it saying God save the queen in a sarcastic way in America is like, yeah, fuck yeah. God save the queen. Whereas like doing it in America, as we're doing it in England at that point, like that was, like sacrilege like you know, yeah you wouldn't do that like i guess it'd be like you know like when you have a band like the huns playing a show in dallas texas and they're doing i'm glad he's dead about jfk you know like i guess that would be like that's that same level of provocation but, but that band would also have had to have been like the, the thing. The thing with the sex pistols is that you have the 
the media coverage of them seemed so enormous. Yeah. So oh, yeah. of course you don't have the equivalent in that Huns like topic, although I do agree with you, because the Huns weren't like the biggest <laughs> biggest like written about thing for whatever, a matter of like Yeah, like locally that made the papers and all that kind of stuff. But you're right, yeah. you don't have the national yeah. like furor that the sex pistols ignited. Yeah. And even just things like Bill Grundy or things like that, like that I can't I mean, what is the first like real big punk thing that I can think of on that scale on TV in America? Like I, I don't know what the first thing was. Like people keep talking about Devo on SNL. They talk yeah. about Fear on SNL. But no one watched Fear on SNL. Like that was the difference, right? Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it was like a, you know, it's important to us. Yeah. Because you know, but like I think to the larger pop culture world, it's yeah. it, it's you know much more now looked upon as being a significant historical event than it was a historical significant event at that time. Yeah. I read a cool book. There's this book about music on TV out of Chicago. The guy who does Rocktober wrote, and he's got some pretty good analysis of that whole thing. But you're right. There's not, you know, maybe it's the sex whistles. Like when, you know, people like Terry T and stuff are talking about seeing them on the morning shows. Like that would have been the equivalent of those punk moments. Or maybe it's like, you know, like Chips, the Chips punk episode. Yeah. Like, I think too it's I'm sure there's something in the way I mean in in a way it's there's like marketing was at play regardless but I believe that it seemed more um like seemed more a genuine threat in Britain at least so far as I can tell not having been there at the time or lived there but um whereas here it seemed more of a, like a, a contrived marketing idea even the idea of like when you look at that those first shows they played they intentionally played markets which were not where they probably should have played first you yeah know what i mean yeah because they did was the texas was it a tour of texas first or they just played no, that atlanta, I think it's the first show it was like atlanta texas yeah, yeah and i can't remember anyway that book's incredible i can't remember what it's called but it details those first shows and it's from the tour manager i believe but um kind of goes over a lot of that but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's it's an interesting point. I always get um, when I rem well when I reminisce. I wasn't alive for that when that happened initially. But when I hear people talk about it and I feel nostalgic, the idea of it of like experiencing that fresh when it happened is something I'm very envious of. Whenever I hear oh, people yeah. talk about it, um, being like a punk enthusiast, of course. And uh, I think the Sex Pistols for a lot of people. Um, a lot of punks who are, I don't know, of a certain persuasion, they're a difficult band to reconcile with because it's such like a, the idea that they're like, like sort of a real band, sort of not, sort of like a, a put together idea, sort of like an idea of like a, a genius of a guy who decided to sort of like flip the record industry on its head and sort of wanted to promote a fashion thing, but at the same time, like, the, the record is to me is unreal. Oh, it's perfect. You know, so it's it sort of just hits every mark, and it has just such a weird narrative. And I mean, John Lydon is an interesting character, and um, yeah, just everything. I don't know. I, I'm envious of people that experienced that fresh at the time and were able to kind of like just like live it rather than live it in hindsight, like you and I would have had to. Yeah, I know people that were like. You know, even in Toronto, like aware of it happening, you know, following the tour as it was happening in the States and 
oh, yeah. excited by it. You know, like it feels like, you know, it would have felt like, oh, fuck, this is what we were waiting for. That's what we were waiting for. You know, like, ah, <laughs> uh, and then, and then, yeah, like it, it's, it's, you know, obviously punk's going on the whole time, but that's when it kickstarts it. Like that's when it really puts gas on that fire. Yeah. And I think again, it's, you know, I don't know. It's, I, I just think this band's very interesting. I always have and always will. Like there's been points when I resented them early on because I thought it was, you know, again, like because they were on a major label and the idea of it looking at it from that context and at that time. But in hindsight, as I grow older now, I just think that's all sort of fairly irrelevant in terms of what impact that group had, regardless of what source they came from or what uh, was real or not, so to speak. Um, well, like who wasn't on a major label at that point? Well, exactly. It's just the idea, though. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is that there's always that caveat that sort of gets brought up with this group in relation to like being the pioneers of this genre, which you discuss very well with, with Terry in this episode, might I add. Um, the idea of it not being the Sex Pistols, for example. Yeah. Um, maybe, I think the idea of the uh, the term punk and, and that <coughs> fashion statement specifically, I think could be more directly attributed. But in terms of like what it is or like sonically, I think certainly it predates that. I don't, I don't think the term, like the term was already being bandied around right like punk magazine already existed like you know there's all those there's all those like old articles where they refer to music as being punk there's that great thing in the bomp book reissue that came out the second one the one that has amance's letter in it um that also has like this whole thing about punk music like garage punk music but this is in like you know 71 70 maybe a little maybe 72 but, uh, you know, clearly before the Pistols. Yeah. So it's – I don't know. Like I think you know, the, what the Sex Pistols did was, you know, um, I, I don't know, branded it better than anyone else. Uh, you know, put it put it like Here, – here's the, here's the question, not to distract you. No, go on. Go on. For me, here's the question. Here's, here's the thing I mm-hmm. think about most in context with that group. Um, because you have certain things happen, like Sid Vicious, the character of a human being who has that whole sensational life event happen and then mm-hmm. passes. And and so you have that, you have the marketing, you have like that anarchy that you care being like a big uh, whatever um, against the grain statement. But for me, like if that record sucked, you know, let's say that record sucked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you think the lasting impression of that band would be as strong as it is? Uh no. I I I'm with you. Like I think I think it honestly, and this is something I never really you know put a lot of thought. If that to record about. sucked, they'd be looked at like the Clash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. But I, I, but you know what I mean. Like that's, I do think there is something to that. Like I think if the record sucked, I don't yeah. think it would have had the lasting impact that it has. I agree. And and I think that's always going to be the thing. It's it's regardless of of like even the Ramon Sex Pistols debate or what you started where and who started or why or you know what I mean. Like the record is amazing. Like nothing changes that fact. Like it yeah. really is an amazing record. Um, and so for me, that is always going to speak to more than uh, any of the other nonsense that surrounded it. It just happens to have a whole legacy onto itself. 
and it had it pretty much immediately. And like the, you know, like the nonsense surrounding that band, it's like no band, no punk band has done it on that scope ever since. Like maybe Rage Against the Machine, but like, you know, like fucking up the Queen's Jubilee. Yeah, that, but even the idea of like working the music industry, you know, that concept of them like getting kicked off and getting paid and then going to someone else. And like it was, there's a lot of really, um, and some of it I'm sure was necessity, but some of it was definitely like a very clever. And so, you know, credit due, whether or not you like what the presentation is or even what's going on sonically, although I question if you don't like that record genuinely, um, because I think it's fantastic. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I for me though, that's that's always what I think of lately. Is like if that record sucked, no one, you know, would it, would people care as much as they seem to still? It's almost you like know? also when you have that band, like that last lineup when Sid is in the band and Matt locks out, right? Yeah, it's almost like you've got like the Backstreet Boys, like the <laughs> the anti Backstreet Boys. Like you've got you've got the sarcastic one on vocals, and then on guitar, there's the tough one. And then on drums, it's the, you know, whatever Paul Cook is. And then, <laughs> and then on bass, it's the legitimate psychopath, terrifying, terrifying man. Yeah. Especially by that period of the Sex Pistols. Well, yeah. And in that way, it was ingenious. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's still, the chemistry of that group is, is still, and I mean, Sid's impact on the group sonically, maybe there's none. I don't know. Well, like, you know, according to legend, there's like absolutely none. Yeah. Which but, is. Who knows Think if about that's just true. that concept. The idea that this is a person who's thought of as a musician or like, you know, the other things tied to their life, and yet the musician part is very ineffectual, really. Yeah, but that's like the birth of like <laughs> that set that he blazed the trail that many a punk musician, quote unquote, has followed. You know, where being a musician was secondary to being the character. I'm I'm quest. I think are they the first to really do that because he personified that so so heavily. Ah, uh, there's. I wonder. If there's other people that just like held the guitar. Because like, the idea is that people don't think the Ramones could play, but I mean the Ramones could definitely play. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like whether or not their songs were simple is a whole other argument, but they could definitely play. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and and maybe again, I didn't see obviously didn't see the early Ramones shows. Maybe they weren't great, but. I'm just thinking, like, they definitely, one of them didn't have their amp turned off. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. I'm not, you know, made the monkeys. That was the whole thing with the monkeys, right? When no, but I mean, in relation to punk, what I'm saying is, oh. is that inadvertently Sid Vicious is, you know, the, the yeah, look, definitely. Of- I think so. You're right. Cause, like, I, I think even Steve Jones, like, he might not be, like, a shit hot shredder, but he worked every single day. To get yeah, better. I think he's a good guitar player too. Oh, he's a, like, yeah, I like yeah, for like player. what he does, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, maybe you're right because like you know you think about all those American bands like Television, it's like those guys could all play. Well, I mean the cl- the the earliest example like what people tend to think of again is what I mentioned like people tend yeah. to think the Ramones couldn't play or yeah. but I mean the Ramones did not have like literally a prop member there no, the because Ramones, he was a yeah. Know, and so those guys have been in other bands too by that point. Yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm like, that's another part of the Sex Pistols legacy is perhaps inadvertently that the Sid Vicious character, meaning the literal, like, yeah, anybody can do this because it was obvious that this guy could not play. 
And uh, yeah, I never thought of that till just this moment, even bringing it up. But yeah, it's another part of that group for me, another dimension. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's a uh, they're they're a fascinating group. A lot to yes. look at with them. A lot to dissect with them. Uh, uh, my point now, or you want to take one? Uh, I guess it's my point, or your point. Your point now. You brought it up, but one thing I wanted to mention was there was a few things that I've, I'm. Uh, I'm, I forgot thing like when I was listening to the episode, I wanted to jot some notes down, but um, I liked the talk about the New York Dolls. Well, speaking of the Sex Pistols and the idea that punk punk rock is from Long Island, which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, and you know, I can't refute. <laughs> um, but the idea of the the Dolls being the major influence on the Pistols, and um, speaking of that, the idea of the Dolls being like baby music, and you were talking about your kids being receptive to the Dolls and not yeah. other groups. Um, I like that idea. I think it's very, um, I think it's a very apt observation. I agree. Although I think, you know, obviously the dolls were a talented group, I would argue, but, um, yeah, there is something that's, that's extremely like base about what makes that group amazing. And I would argue that it's like, apart from baby music, which is a great description, it's just like, it's literally the embodiment of fun. And also ska punk too. Like, you know, like, have you ever watched Yo Gabba Gabba, Chris? No, I'm not a parent, so. Well, so it does, it's a good show for a lot of reasons. No, I know. Uh, I'm, but, no, I'm but just I kidding. But, you know, the, the ska punk on that hits really hard, you know, like with my kids, I find. And also, if you watch Paw Patrol, all the music on that show is like this sort of like faux ska punk, pop punk stuff. Well, that was always the joke with like Nickelodeon movie trailers and TV show stuff. There'd always be like ska, like like late late ska stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know what it is. That's yeah, baby music. I guess it's just high energy. I guess is the energy that kids pick up on the energy and like the the rhythm. Yeah, it is. But I think what, what I was trying to touch on here is that I think the New York Dolls are like the funnest group. They are a pretty fun group. They're Unless very, you were in it, I can, yeah, exactly. I'm not talking the, the experience of being in the group. I mean, yeah. like what one experiences listening to that group. I mean, they're a really fun band, fun to watch. I mean, what footage I've seen, just the, the records are amazing. Um, anyway, yeah. So I thought that observation was astute, but what I'm what I took out of that, and what I've always felt, is that they're like the funnest band. That's why you know mm-hmm. people like them. That's why people like listening to it. it's always good. It's timeless. You know what I mean. Yeah, well, they're one of those bands that I think, you know, obviously they, uh, you know, like the image and, and their musical importance is so, looms so large that, yeah, you can forget how catchy they are. Well, I think as well, I just thought about this too, is it perhaps the influence on punk is that, is the idea of taking the Eric Dolls and making it not fun is what the Sex Pistols were. You know what I mean? That idea. And so... um you know, although I do think the Sex Pistols are quite fun too, to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> be, I know what you're saying though, but, but like you know a more I mean? like serious. The, yeah, the tone of it was to be a bummer, was to be provoking. Whereas the New York <laughs> Dolls, I don't think were intending to do that, even though they were dressed in crazy fashion and doing, you know, God knows with drugs and well, what else, you, maybe but, Malcolm McLaren's period where they were doing that communist gimmick. True, you're right there. Yeah, and 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 then again, it speaks to my point. You know, they, that's where they fail. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure for reasons beyond <laughs> doing a, doing a communist gimmick, but um, <coughs> certainly for reasons beyond that. Well, also like America, like 
American punk, you know, obviously it was political, but like the politics aren't as front and center as they are in British punk as early. You're saying in British punk, they're more front and center than they are in America early on. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're using the Ramones as a, as a litmus test, like the Ramones, even like black flag, like obviously there's a politics of like, I hate cops, you know, but, but like, apart from that, like what's the politic? Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of an early band that I could (coughs) repeat that with, but it's difficult. Like, I'm sure there are, you know, like, um, early American deals, right. They're political and stuff like that, I guess. But, you know, DOA, it wasn't directly speaking truth to power in such a profound way. Like the sex pistols were, I mean, having directly anti-government songs blatantly and then being anthems immediately. Yeah. Or like crass. Yeah. Even like minor threat, like those guys, you know, like I would say DC is now one of the most political scenes going but like early on there's not really that much politics to what they're doing other than a personal politic i see what you mean though i i think i would um early american hardcore i think is generally not as prolifically politicized even though there certainly are bands like mdc of course mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. one that becomes and uh you know there's a lot of groups i'm forgetting off the top of my head but either way I, I'm with you though, by and large, like that there's a lot of groups that aren't like dead Kennedys and, and MDC for me is, I don't know, first wave, whatever, but it's not the things I think of when I think of like the earliest things or, or what I think of when I think of American hardcore, like first and foremost. Yeah. Like I, you know, it's funny cause the dead Kennedys clearly, you know, here's another person, Terry T where the first band she sees are the dead Kennedys, right? Yeah, which is an insane that that idea of that show, by the way, is insane. But anyway, continue. Holy fuck! Have you seen that flyer for that show? I have not, but just the lineup is fucking insane. It's for like, sale. Like you can buy a copy of that flyer, but the lineup is yeah, unbelievable. Um, but yeah, like I think it's it's just it's funny because like you know I don't necessarily associate that Kennedy's one as first punk band that comes to my mind, but yet they kind of are. Like, well, to me, I'm trying to think like, are they the I mean, obviously they're sonically different, but they're to me, I've never thought of them in the context of are they the first American punk band that is almost the answer to the Sex Pistols? Because they do get big and they do make real waves, and and they they have a profound political statement, and their their aesthetic is profoundly like you know the name you know in in and of itself. Like yeah, they're almost I, like the anti Sex Pistols. But you're right, they they are definitely the American. To what you were saying earlier about like the sex or what we were talking about earlier about sex was having way more threat in America, yeah. in, in England than they did in America because like the politic just wasn't relevant. But yeah, dead Kennedys, that's something that hits home in America. And I think actually in in um, in hindsight, thinking on it now, these are the groups that you get into when you first, or at least at a time, these were the groups that you got into when you first got into this stuff. So. Mm-hmm. You know the names are sensational and they seem ridiculous, and but you know um, the Dead Kennedys, as far as Jello's like imprint on that band and what that band were saying, yeah, they were definitely like a real deal. Um, they were something to be reckoned with that was not like a joke, as 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 like humorous as aspects of that group were lyrically. Um, there was a lot of really serious things that they were saying and or doing, like with their aesthetic, which in the early eighties certainly would have been a lot more um, 
you know, of a, of a courageous thing to do than now, of course. Oh, yeah. Jell's got stories about being beaten up by the National Front in England and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally. yeah. Totally. So it's – I've never thought about it in that respect and I'm sure there's obscure bands that people could write us in about and say, well, yeah, you could take this band or this band. But I'm thinking like – yeah, if I'm thinking of the American counterpart to what had the greatest impact in the way – the Sex Pistols did as far as speaking like directly to government, about government and being large enough to have a kind of whatever. Uh, yeah, we were never as big as the Pistols, right? Like no, the Pistols had course. number one records, but you're right. Like, And they also in the same way the Sex Pistols, like, you know, the Sex Pistols at that Manchester Free Trade Hall show or whatever, like, yeah. inspired the Buzzcocks and all these other people like in the yep. room to do it. You know, the, from this podcast, it's kind of been shown, at least to me, that the dead Kennedys are kind of doing that all across America as they're playing these shows. Like, they're from Gerard to Terry T to I got innumerable guests. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm it just happened to be the two that in a row that came to my mind first. <laughs> no, no, it's true. The um, the one thing I'm curious about is you always hear tell of the idea that Black Flag kind of created the circuit. And then everyone else kind of capitalized on it. But were Dead Kennedys touring nationwide before Black Flag? No, and DOA created the circuit. Or That's DOA, a, I guess, theory. But Black yeah. Flag was a, a major part too. So I think so DOA is the first band that did it. Yeah. You know, and then Dead Kennedys definitely like blew up and got to it on a bigger level. You know what? Actually, we're we're um, we're doing a disservice to our country here, though, because DOA definitely deserves a lot of credit early on, too. Oh yeah, absolutely. For being very um, and not just what we're talking about specifically. I mean the, you know, like the the political um, content of the music mm-hmm. uh, is more serious and threatening. Uh, I don't think they ever had the reach that the other two groups we're discussing did. But yeah, the DOA certainly would be in that talk too as being one of the earliest bands. No, and as as will come up in a future live episode in a couple of weeks, yeah. like the importance to people that saw DOA at that time is is you know it's never questioned. Yeah. You know, like they're the band that, you know, more than Black Flag, I find people that like people that saw both of those bands tend to talk to more about DOA and the importance of DOA. Which is so again in hindsight, I find that such a crazy thought. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that I I couldn't expect it of DOA because certainly they're an excellent group, but it's just it's it's you know the years since have just done so much different for all these groups and what their legacies mm-hmm. have become. And DOA is one of those where you know the idea of them being such an impact on groups that people would never imagine. Yeah. You know, it's let alone to the idea of like American hardcore in general, their imprint. Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses told me one time when, we were, you know, when I was interviewing him for Dango Jones' podcast that uh, DOA is more important than Black Flag. From that, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, and that's, that, that seems like a sensational um, opinion in 2016. But yeah, you're right. Like people of the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely there, say that yeah. without any hyperbole at all. Yeah, yeah, and he's doing the Dewey's address like that's like they they had that role and they played that show too with the Dead Kennedys that Terry yeah. saw. That's crazy. You know, they were like they're right right there on that bill. Yeah, agreed. I really want you to interview him. I think it'd be a great interview. Oh, it'd be so this much fun. Be, uh, this would be an interesting topic to discuss. That idea of that them like in the earliest stages of their touring and like how that went and how they. Because they are one of the like the the first serious road dogs, maybe the first. 
Yeah, well, that's from what I've heard. They were the first. They taught Black Flag. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but who knows if that's true or not? Like that's yeah. You know, but they anyway. would have had to been like you know, like being from where they were from. You know, like you, you got to get in the van. <laughs> that is true. You know, yeah, so, you can't just play Vancouver. <laughs> can't just play Vancouver <laughs> or whatever, because they're from what, Alberta, right? I think. No, Vancouver. Oh, they are from Valkyrie. I always assume they're from Alberta for some reason. No, yeah, okay. no, I don't know. They're, they might be from like somewhere in the north. Because there's all those stories about them playing like logging camps. So they might be from like northern somewhere. Yeah. But suburbs. I was trying to mention geographically for the audience there is that Alberta and British Columbia border one another. So it's uh, the, the, the more feasible touring circuit you would do if you were a small ass band early on. But uh, – to go anywhere else, you have to get. Yeah, like, I guess Seattle cold. would be the only place they could get. Yeah, to. like Pacific Northwest, you'd do all right yeah. in, but you, you know, to get to Southern California or to get to DC, yeah, is, is insanely far. Yeah, or Toronto, or like or you Toronto, know, like yeah. everywhere they touched, you know, like they yeah. were the man east, they going anywhere east. They went to England, <laughs> I think, before anyone else did. Yeah, it's so yeah, credit due. Um, yeah, I don't. I think we we got on this off my point. I can't the remember. Dick Kennedy's. Oh. We were talking about the Kennedys. I think we were talking about New York Dolls originally. Oh, anyway, New York Dolls. What What else did you want to discuss? Uh, I guess SSD and fights. <laughs> okay, what about it? Was that that show? No, I'm. I think I was confused. I don't. I've always heard tell of these sort of things in past. Like the, I have no boss who came around one night. Push came shove. We were down to fight. But that, was that the judge lyrics? Yeah, yeah. But that would be – it would assume – because that – are those lyrics to the – what is that? Anyway. It's, about, it's, about, it's about the the first wave. Yeah, because I'm like they're way It's about the early that. 80s. Yeah, um, which is always the point of contention from certain historians who have a gripe with them writing that song. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what – like I don't know any specific – There was like apparently an infamous show yeah. that was like the big brawl. And I feel like it might be in like New York Hark or the book or something. Yeah, I think like they that. probably talk about New York Hark or the book. Yeah, I can't remember. I know often. Jay Maskus was there, <laughs> not fighting, but he was there. Uh, I'm not surprised that he. Was I brought on it up to him on the show, and he dodged the question. Well, it's. I mean, I don't know. Can you even imagine? Like, especially this is like, you don't know the legacy of this group or people at that time. You know yeah. what I mean? And then to. To sort of just blindly be at an event where these things are happening, I, I, I'm interested to see how factual it is that um, your, and I, I don't know if you're citing it from the judge thing or other talks, but the idea that that is what made New York hardcore, New York hardcore eventually, the New York hardcore as we know it, as the world brand. Well, that's the story that I heard, but I, yeah, like yeah. I don't know, and I don't know where I read that originally, but I heard that from someone. But like, it's a fascinating thought if that's the case i've never thought about it in that regard up until that i mean i've heard tell what you're talking about but i've never thought about it in the context of what you mentioned with terry there yeah like and i think that boston scene is where you know like you know dc there's you know it gets downplayed now but obviously that was a little bit of a hairy scene you know and and yeah and certain people involved in that scene were you know and the early quote-unquote straight edge stuff were were definitely you know a little, little bit violent at times, but like you know, I think when it gets to Boston, I think maybe it's in the Straight Edge book or America's Hardcore, is where it you know at least according to Ian, 
Mackay, that's where it really gets kind of militarized. And, and I guess, well, like, you see it in those, was, yeah, you see it in those groups. Um, yeah. and again, it's, it's sort of, it's the usual thing where there's, of course, the sensational things that were happening at the time, but I mean, the records are incredible. Oh, yeah. So it's sort of the legacy is again, back to this idea of what sells the legacy. You know, if these records sucked, you know, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be discussing when and where this happened or yeah, but why. That's the thing though. Is it like, do, are these records, <clears throat> you know, are they good because of this dubious legacy too? Like, are no, we, is that I, part of the reason we like them? That's what I'm saying. No, but it certainly adds to it. I, that's what I'm sort of, that's my theme this week. I think I've, I've accidentally hit on is this yeah. idea of, you know, what, what of the legacy of certain groups is relevant based on their sonic output versus what the, you know, the sensational aspects of them personally was like. But I do think, you know, despite what we're saying, you know, I, I do think like you can't exclaim the exclaim catalog. You cannot fuck with, I mean, it is literal perfection. So, I mean, for me, yeah, those records are amazing. You know, or, yeah, I love early Slapshot. I love all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do think the records are strong enough. And I think that if they weren't, yeah, you'd hear tell of these certain things, but I don't think they would be as revered. But I think it's because the music is that good. Yeah. I like. I, th- I think the music is, you know, obviously fucking incredible with those records. To, to people like us, I should say, like, yeah, it's not for everybody. But if you like American hardcore, yeah. Like it's, it's the cream of the crop. I mean, it's not, maybe not the best to everybody, but certainly up there. Mm. Like, at least one of those Exclaim records is in the top three, I would argue. At least one. Uh, top three American hardcore LPs yeah. of the I would 80s? Argue hardcore records all time, but certainly American hardcore, for sure. All time. So Rancid 2000. <laughs> uh, it's not in there. Definitely not in there. That one. Uh, I mean, I'm this is I'm just throwing out hyperbole, but you know what I mean. Like, no, I know, I know. I'm, I, 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 I'm trying to think of other. I'm trying to think of weird ones that I could, you know. But you're right. I think you're, you, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find something. Even if not top three, top five, mm-hmm. like for sure. There's no. I mean, I don't know. That's. I mean, again, I'm biased. This is my like. This is the sonic template that i like most yes but having said that it's still hard to mess with the idea that like you look at old punk lists you look at the you know the pusshead 100 any of those things like these records are always on there yeah of course it's for for good reason yeah no i agree i agree i think that's the you know i think i think the thing though is like you look like a band like vile yeah you know it's like do people like vile (laughs) because the music's incredible or do they like Vile because, like, you know, it's super sketchy to like Vile. And I say this as someone who used to love Vile. <laughs> I do think there's something to what you're saying. I would push back, and I do think that record music is step- pretty good at some point. Yeah, but no, I know what you're saying. But I do think the legacies of these other groups we're talking about are oh, like Gigi Allen. Yeah, that's a great example. You know, Gigi Allen's like musically, like we talk about in this, like we bring up, I bring up the theory to her about the reverse sellout. Yeah, it's oh. just a great uh, it's a great reoccurring recent Damien theme, and I like it. It's I, I'm with you. But like that's the thing is like most people don't even know about the good Gigi Allen music. Like they know well, about and like, I'll this tell like, you, terrible like, other period of Gigi Allen. 
Well, the irony is that when I first started hearing his music, I heard the, the bad stuff. Yeah. I think most so, people, like, you know, like, Bite It You Scum is, like, probably the most popular song because of, like, yeah, CKY. Yeah, and I don't even mean, like, like that. that isn't even what I would say is, like, the worst when I yeah, say bad. I mean, like, the last record, which I still weirdly <laughs> enjoy, uh, it, though it sucks, I will admit. Um, but, like, yeah, when I first heard the Jabber stuff, I was like, whoa, this sounds, like, really weak. Like, I'm soft. I, I didn't get it. And I was like, how is this the guy? Yeah. It didn't make any sense to me. And now I'm like, geez. Like, the, I wouldn't even want to listen to anything else. Yeah. No, same. <laughs> I would 100% not want to listen to anything And part of it's like a maturity, of course, as you grow up and you kind of understand things. But, like, yeah. yeah just what, we didn't have with Gigi like that, did it? With him himself? No. Yeah, no. He, like, reverse did it. <laughs> Agreed. You, you're bang on with saying he reverse sold out. Definitely. Like you, who the hell has ever done that? It's true. It's very rare. Yeah, very rare. He's a rare. And it, he's a rare bird. That Jeech. I think like the only argument I have to counteract what you're saying is I think some of that because of the way he was was necessity in the sense of the groups that he was kind of amassing. Although it does show and hate it even toward the end days, he was you know having decent people collaborate with him. But you know by and large, I don't think those songs were being written with. You know, anybody that was like amazing, so to speak. Yeah, um, but like, you know, it, it wasn't like with the Jabbers, he was like able to pick from the, the greatest group of musicians ever assembled, but the, still they could write those songs. Agreed, but I, th- I think like that's the inception. You don't yeah. have like a decade or more of baggage and not being able to like play anywhere or not, you know, <laughs> going to jail. Like, you know, there's a lot of yeah. reasons why. You know, necessity-wise, why some of those records are probably as bad as they are those late ones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not just like his his epic vision to make things like the ultimate and like sonically terrible things. Things have to be shittier. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's a cop out. Like people would say that, or he would even maybe have toned that line. But, uh, you know, it's not. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I think it was when you live like that. Human being lived. I mean, what do you expect? You know, eventually things are not going to generally go well as life progresses. No. <laughs> no, sadly did not go well for Jeej. No. You know, it's a sad, 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 sad way to go. <laughs> I guess. I mean, he was doing what he wanted, so. Well, speaking of doing what he wanted, um, I guess we should definitely talk about uh, the, the story before we go. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay. There's two two amazing moments in the, like a lot of amazing stuff in this episode, but like the two that like blew my mind obviously were the Gigi Allen story and the fucking Nirvana story. Nirvana, oh the Nirvana story is great, yeah, yeah. amazing, great. amazing. Yeah. But I guess uh, first we'll talk about the Gigi stuff. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Uh, well, the well, question I, is right, like for me when she starts telling this story. The idea of her her perspective is like I'm going to make sure to see if this guy's real because he's like this this situation is irritating me. I'm going to call his bluff. Yeah. So looking at it, you know, in retrospect, is the idea that then we are affirmed that he in fact was a complete and total scumbag. Yeah, like like yeah, like well, I think that was like we knew that going in. Yeah, but I mean, like I don't know, like like it wasn't. Um, always a okay i'm gonna turn the switch on now yeah I, I like i don't know like gerard i guess you know i was wondering if there was that 
you know, and Gerard seemed to allude to the fact that there wasn't that switch. Yeah, it's like I said, like that. Did you watch that documentary we discussed last week? No, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I should okay. watch it. I mean, it's not much to it. It's, it's but it it provides a little insight, and they seem to suggest the differing sides of 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 him. But um, this story certainly, I think the thing about it was, I mean, what I still don't understand is, had she gone to a show to see him, or was he just at a random gig doing? No, that? she went to the show to see him because then she saw him that night play afterwards. Okay, because so that was like that's that's what confused me hearing it at first. Is was like, was he just hanging out at like some club doing this? And like, how <laughs> no, did he get kicked out? Like, what is? First of all, how did he get kicked out? Period. Like you get like kicked, how, he get he get kicked out of his own shows a lot. No, but I mean like that story. Like, how doesn't there bouncers or whomever that are dealing oh, with oh, that. out of that bathroom? Yeah, like when she says there's a pileup, someone says know. a guy is whatevering in the bat. Like, how isn't that taken care? Of? I mean, obviously, no one wants to take care. Of that. Yeah, like I think it's a but, different time too, right? Like, maybe it was before they had like the giant bouncers that you have to deal with now. Maybe, but just think of the context of that. Yeah, no, some, it's fucking like, nuts. Some weirdo is doing that in a woman's bathroom. The women are freaked out to go into the bathroom. Oh, no, like, he gets stomped now. He would get stomped. But any era. Like, how was that? Not, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I think it was also like this was his big comeback show, too. Was that uh, – did she say – like, I wonder what year that was. I think it's like 91. Oh, okay. So it's – should it post-jail? I, I don't know. Either way. Yeah, post-jail. Oh. When he got a, a – Gerard – it's the same show Gerard talked about. Like the mm. first one when he got out of prison. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess it's. I assume this was a bit earlier on, but either way, not like it makes much difference, really. But you know, Gigi Allen has a song about eating tampons, used tampons. I would not surprise me in the least, although I cannot remember one. Yeah, it's called Bloody Mary's Bloody Cunt. <laughs> but the. Uh, uh, I don't know. Whatever. That was just, I don't know. What do I say to that? Yeah. Yeah. He's not. A, not what was not, the, What was your other point? You want to discuss something else, though, on the back of this? Uh, the, the Nirvana story. Oh, the Nirvana thing. The, the Nirvana thing, I think, is super funny because I like the idea of people that heckle bands with no intent to be actually assholes. Yeah. Like, I've always found that really, like, awesome and peculiar. And, uh, of course, we discussed the late, um, late great Amants uh, frequently on this show. Yeah. Uh, Amants was great at doing it. Yeah, he would heckle, like, nonsensical heckles all the time. But they were never malicious. Like, no, he would never, never malicious. Yeah, he would true. never heckle you because he genuinely thought, well, at least from my experience, he never heckled and thought, like, your band sucked, get off the stage. It was like he would heckle some stuff and it would be funny, but the intent was never to, like, genuinely ridicule you because your band was awful. It was just like I don't know what he like what people did. It's just it's such a peculiar thing because now I don't like people don't do that now. <laughs> I think in Toronto it was a lot to do with the fact that the shows were so small, so you'd like you would always just like be so close enough to yell at yeah. the person, and you knew the person on stage. Yeah, so you could always like you know like whether it was Callahan also was another guy that always did it too. Well, I actually think it's really great when people do it. I don't see people doing it as much anymore, but um, yeah, but it's so that her idea of yelling that out, mind you, that is also the an incredible heckle. Oh, an incredible fucking heckle! And just like hearing it with that, like that 
<laughs> that accent, just yelling that out. Holy so shit. Oh, so my good. God. Oh, you... <laughs> It's so perfect. It is. It's great. <laughs> they would have been so pissed. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just... I'm, I'm it's, sure that's been read. I wonder if, like... I wonder if, like, that's been, like, in any of the Nirvana history books. I don't know. But it, it is perfection. And that is actually the perfect heckle, really, something like that. Like, it really is. And the idea that, again, it wasn't... You know, she's counting the story. She doesn't seem to be terribly malicious about even when she did her why, <laughs> which is the part I find the most amusing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, she, she now even is just like, is so, you know, just so, uh, you know, sweet about it in a yeah, way, but like, you know, it was it definitely, yeah, I could see how that would have bummed them out. <laughs> like, oh, I definitely, yeah. Like I, I definitely see how they would have been pissed off about it, but the idea that it wasn't done, as like someone who hated them yelling it just just was someone who was yep. just I don't know I just anyway I've always thought of like the, the idea of a heckle although usually amusing is is generally because you don't like something yeah and yet the experiences I have either via story or directly is like often it's not even people who have like this massive hatred they're just like I don't know <laughs> feel like yelling something out yeah like I also I think that's something that's like you know unique to a punk hardcore world where you have like you know, uh, like the the idea that there's no division between the band and the people in the crowd, so the band has an equal opportunity to kind of yell and be involved in the show. Yeah, perhaps that that's a yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Never thought about it in that context. Yeah, like I don't know, like that's it, it, in the words of Sick of It All. This isn't our stage. This is your stage. This is an our mic. True. This is your mic. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Uh, from from the mouth of babes comes the truth. Yeah, it is true. They do consistently. They've always said that, from my experience too. Yeah, and I think and 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 that's you know, that's all Terry was trying to bring to Nirvana, a little <laughs> bit of that East Coast hardcore love. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Those fucking jerks from the Pacific Northwest didn't get it. <laughs> Understandably, but yeah, you know. If it was Brotherhood up there, they would have gotten it. I don't know if this was like inside baseball because you were talking about it. Um, but the idea – what were you saying that someone after the fact – was it Pearl Jam or Soundgarden after the fact became aware of her or something and was – or it was Nirvana? Whoever it was, you said someone liked her after the fact even though at the time they were pissed off. I don't know. Was that that Nirvana thing or what oh, was I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I thought there was something about that that you guys kind of hinted at, but I didn't know what the what the whatever incident or reference was. No, so I no, I don't think so. Like, not as far as I know. I didn't bring okay. up the um, next time I see Dave Grohl, I'm going to definitely bring that up. Do you remember when you did that live MTV unplug thing? <laughs> Do you remember someone yelling, "Play Jeremy"? Which is <laughs> the best? See, for me, that's more of an indictment on Pearl Jam than Nirvana because that song was just so like, oh. It was just the, for me, yeah, Smells Like Teen Spirit obviously was like the phenomena, but Jeremy was like huge too. Yeah. Jeremy was just like, it was like one of those like um, commercials that's like one of those like guilty commercials about like, you know, like um, Feed the Children or something, but it was like a, a song and it just didn't go away. <laughs> just, I remember like, because I bought, I loved Even Flow, right? And I remember that oh. song came out and I went and bought 10 
And then, then Jeremy came in. I'm like, oh, this song sucks. <laughs> it's so, I mean, even Flo, though, I still stand behind because that's like, uh, oh, I, 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 no. Chris, I bought it too. They're playing it right now at Mosh. I mean, Thrasher. And by the I mean the little band in my set, inside my head. <laughs> Thrasher had giveaways for 10 when that magazine, whenever the record came out. So I remember thinking, like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then I think I was okay with even flow. I don't know how I ever was, but uh, it's awful. But, Turn uh, the lights down, Josh. Oh, this is a oh, rock yeah. concert, not a TV show. <laughs> that part of it's okay. And even so the video, safe. the video is actually not bad, to be fair. But the uh, the song is just oh my god. But um, anyway, uh, Jeremy is awful, uh, especially awful. And yeah, definitely that video. I just always remember. And, ugh. Oh, the video. <laughs> It's so bad, but regardless. So, like, that, so like what's that? Like, do they pick on the kid, and then he kills himself in front of the class? Is that what happens? I don't know. I I think the I thought it was the opposite. And what's the thing like about a, the teacher's breast? He bites the teacher's breast at some point in the song. I don't know. The lyrics are very odd. Let's call the I lyrics would, this song, Chris. <laughs> you can do that. I'm not going to do that. What you don't want that showing up in your search? You want the oh, government no, to know? Care. I don't care if the government knows I looked up Jeremy. I just don't even want to relive it at all. But um, uh, what I will say to digress briefly, uh, is this maybe the best heckle ever? <laughs> like, it's it's got to be. Ever. And uh, besides like the obvious like you know classic heckles, but um, that's a good topic if people want to email about. It was a, a classic heckles because uh, this one is pretty pretty damn good. I can't think of much <laughs> much better. Yeah, no, I like, I like to me that is like, I like, I, I just think that's like one of the ultimate like, what's the one like someone yelled at Bob Dylan? That's like the super famous one. I don't know. Oh god, okay, I gotta look here. it up now. But the lyric I was looking for before was the, uh, and bit the recessed lady's breast. How could I forget? He hit me with a surprise left. My jaw left hurting, dropped wide open, just like the day. Oh, just like the day. <laughs> oh, God. Enough. Jesus. Uh, oh. Okay, well, I got to look at this Bob Dylan heckle now. But it was like some some famous Bob Dylan heckle. But anyway, yeah, like I think this might top it. Like, this oh, should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this heckle. <laughs> it should, definitely should be. Definitely should be. Oh, yeah, someone yelled Judas at him. Judas, why? When he went electric? Yeah. Mm. See, that's not as good. Um, no, that's not nearly as good. No. That's just like a weird folk person being very angry. Yeah. It's kind of cool. cool in its own way. But like, yeah, nowhere near as cool as yelling Jeremy at Nirvana just before they do their Unplugged set. But they probably felt so self-conscious. Like, they're wearing fucking turtlenecks up there. Now, granted, they didn't remember the germs there, but he's playing a guitar that's, like, painted for some reason, like, Bare Naked Ladies Gordon. <laughs> I think the idea is you're right. I think it's it's the context of the performance, which makes oh. it even funnier. Like, they would have been so self-conscious, like, oh, it would have so, cut so deep, Chris. It would have cut so deep. <laughs> it, was the per- it might be the perfect heckle. It might be the perfect heckle. It might be the perfect I think like that might be better than the Gigi Allen story as far as like my favorite moment of the show. The, there's a lot 
of great moments in this interview for me. And uh, we spoke after with her a bit, and it was equally as entertaining. Um, yeah, she's, she's really she's. I just can't imagine all of the uh, the stories she must have if like you were around her frequently. I can't imagine all the records, Chris. Yeah, that made me very envious too. I we didn't talk too much about records uh, when when I was well, in discussion with you both, but. Uh, yeah, hearing that episode, I was like, oh, I wish yeah. I had. Yep. Yeah. No, that's the problem. This this problem with this world is all, every time you meet someone cool, there's cool records. <laughs> I like that you talked about your tour being akin to Johnny Thunders. Well, that was, that your, was, that was your analogy. Did I actually say that? I don't remember saying yeah, that. Yeah, you said that. I forget who you were telling that story to. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely accurate. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I didn't recall being that clever ever uh, contextualizing uh, touring with this podcast with you. But yeah. Oh uh, God, it was a, it was, it could have been, could have been worse to be honest. There's definitely been times that it's been worse. I've, I've yeah, got, it was I've good. Some self restraint. It was yeah, exactly. It was within. Uh, it wasn't ugly. It wasn't like dark. No, it, it never was, got uh, dark. It never got to that point where you're like, oh man. Oh, let me tell you about this Detroit record story, Chris. Has some dark record stuff. I'll tell you off there. <laughs> okay. Too sad. It's not involving me. But point oh, being, it, point being, it wasn't. Uh, we don't have fuel uh, to get to the next performance. Money for fuel, that is. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, exactly. that would be dark. Yeah, if I had to sell like, if I was like selling your clothing to buy records so we could get <laughs> to the next performance, or if I was like. It'd be more accurately like selling your computer. Yeah, selling my computer to buy records. Yeah. My microphone, so I have to record this now into like a tin can stuck into my headphone jack. <laughs> Either way. Uh. But yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't, I'm trying to think of other, there were certain things that jumped out at me, but I cannot remember off the top of my head. You no, know, there's way more we could get to, of course, because Terry T is an amazing person. And of course, she will be back for future stuff on the show. Yeah. She was great. I kind of wish she was at the live, like she was at the live one, but I wish she was up there too. Up there on the panel. Yeah. So do I. You know, next time, next time we're going back, we're going to go back to New York. Chris, you and me. That'd be nice. We got, we, we we didn't get to do very much stuff in New York at all. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. And no, but yeah. Yeah, Yes. And no, but, but mainly no. (laughs) Um, We weren't, we weren't in New York very long to be honest. No, we weren't. No, we were in Brooklyn for most of it. Uh-oh. Yeah, but we were also only there for probably like I don't know, twelve hours wait, or something. Like, wait, why are we giving uh, this part away now? This is this is yeah. gold for anyway. the episode. <laughs> this is gold for the New York episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, I think that's it for this episode, right, Chris? Yeah, I think we should call it. We got plenty. We got, we got plenty uh, figured out. Okay, so everyone, once again, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find me on various forms of social media. At Leffer Damien. You can also head over to DamienAbraham.com. Uh, we're going to put up those t-shirts from the tour for sale soon. Stay tuned for that. Uh, and, uh, Facebook.com, turn it a punk, uh, turn it a punk.tumblr.com. And how do they get in touch with us here, Chris? Turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. All right. So please subscribe to this thing, write a review and rate it on iTunes and tell all your friends. We will see you next week. Bye, everyone.